Hey everybody, this is Robert with RC Archery, and you're listening to episode one of Archery Vision Podcast. So I hope that everyone had a good Christmas and a good New Year's. I'm probably going to be uploading this on uh, New Year's Day, so if you're recovering from the night's activities, wanting to uh, maybe listen to some archer content, maybe while you're doing some archery yourself, this hopefully will be a good way to spend your day. So I actually uh, think this format will probably end up being a little easier for me to be able to record and get some content out a little bit more regular than doing the videos. It's not always easy with my schedule to be able to get the video stuff out, record something, edit it, send it in, all that good stuff on YouTube and get it uploaded. So I think this may end up being um, a more consistent format and then adding videos in as I can along the way. Uh, it's also a cool way for me to be able to you know, try to answer some questions, talk about topics, have some guests on here, do some fun stuff like that, um, you know, and just try to try to make something out of this and go through the growing pains along the way and, and see how it goes. Um, starting this one out, I've got some questions from Instagram. I posted uh, last week when I was shooting just uh, people to post up their questions. And honestly, one of them was asked in depth enough to where I wanted to give a good answer back to it, but not... Um, not really do it on Instagram because there's not a really good format to, to video more than a minute's worth on there unless you're going to do, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, the Instagram video um, segment on there or something like that. So I figured, you know, this would be a good way to debut uh, the, the format and answer some questions and get that information out there. And then I'll post about it on my Instagram channel let all you know. Hopefully you find this and you're listening to it now. But, um... The first one here, and, and this is the reason again why I'm wanting to, you know, kind of start this and what got the wheels turning in my head, and everybody's been asking for it, so I kind of got my butt in gear and decided to do it. But first question here is from Emily the Archer, and asked me, "What's your favorite aspect of archery?" And archery to me is really just a way to feed the competitive side of what I really want in my life. That's in a format that's not so difficult for my body. And I say that because growing up, I actually was really big into, you know, dirt bikes and, and the racing side of it and four-wheelers and all that fun stuff. And, I mean, that was my life growing up. It wasn't so much stick and ball sports for the most part, but it um, gave me, a you know, a fueling for competitiveness. But as I got older with it, I really learned that the competitive side and what I was looking for in that was more self compet you know self competition i guess is the best way to put it and trying to um, you know better a lap time or ride something you know an obstacle more perfect or whatever it may be but uh, it just becomes hard on the body and i'm in my mid 30s now and it's definitely not any better and i actually have a lower back issue from compressing a vertebrae um, when i stopped riding very often and decided to get on and ride a little bit and realize that i couldn't um, go as fast and consistently as I used to, <laughs> but you know, just the timing wasn't there and I ended up hurting myself. But I think archery really brings that back to me and it's a way to strive for perfection and trying to be better because I mean, anybody that's picked up a bow knows that you're always working on something, uh, shot execution, form, bow setup, your equipment tuning, and depending on where you are in your archery journey, it's something like that. So it's really cool to be able to, to bring that back into archery with me and you know, I like to compete with it too, and, and I have no problem with going to tournaments, and I really like to do that, especially the uh, local ones here in Texas, which are easier for me to get to with my schedule, but 
um, yeah, I mean, that, that's probably my favorite aspect of Archer, is just trying to strive for perfection. Uh, Ethan Dimmer asked me, what's your thought on the GOAT release? So I got the GOAT release and used it for a short uh, time span, and my thoughts on it are, it's probably the best thumb release that I've ever used ever. The trigger on it is amazing. I paired it with the R-squared square thumb release um, trigger attachment, I guess if you want to call it, that I designed in, in a couple different sizes and tried it out. And With that, or even with just the stock round barrel, it still had an amazing trigger and it was super easy, easy to use and and uh, crisp and just, I don't know, it fit my hand well. It's based off the Trueball HT release, which was one of my all-time favorites. and. Um, I like that one so much, so I cut it down into a two-finger release. And you know, before all the the releases now coming out that you can actually shoot as a two-finger were a thing. And um, you know, yeah, they, I mean, as far as the thumb release goes, the the goat's great. And if that's what you're wanting to use it for, I would say go for it. Uh, is a hinge release? It was probably the worst hinge release that I've ever shot. So <laughs> yeah, you ha you have a Doctor Jekyll and you know Mr Hyde situation there so um, yeah I, I, it just was hard I mean the rotation aspect of it to if, if it felt like I had to really rotate the release just a ton to get it to go off whether it was adjusted super fast or super slow it didn't matter and I th think you just boil down to the way that the release was set up for the head of the release and the angle and and it just didn't allow the the hook to rotate freely over the moon, over the half moon, to be able to allow it to fire. It just seemed like it would bind and cause some problems. So for me, I like the aspect of using a hinge more. I've stayed with the Fulcrum Flex. I have the Abyss Flex. That was a good pairing for me. I already owned it, so I just stayed with that and ended up selling the Goat release. But if you were going to use release just for a thumb release and that's all you were looking for, I'd say go for it with the Goat. Uh, super comfortable release, great trigger. Jameer Plummer asks, or I guess he's not really asking, he's just saying, but it's just thanks for all the tips, uh, all the videos, they have helped me progress so much recently. I really like that feedback. I appreciate it when y'all want to tell me that kind of stuff. Um, there's times where the grind of doing the videos, not necessarily recording them, doing them, getting the information out, That that's the part that I love about doing the videos. I love to be able to get the information out and try to help somebody because when I was coming up in it, there's that didn't exist, and it was hard to find the information, or it was a lot of trial and error, and banging your head against the wall, and getting half information that the other half wasn't there, and causing more problems. So I love to give it, you know, the, the information out there. The drag side of it is just the feedback sometimes from people, or um, you know, the comments or stuff like that, and you're always going to have that. I, I mean, I, I expect that that's going to come in any format. I mean, you're, you're expressing yourself in whatever medium it may be, art, drawing, you know, videos, podcasts, you know, opening your mouth at a boardroom meeting or at school or whatever it may be. Somebody's going to have something to say. Somebody's going to have an opinion. Um, so, I mean, that's to be expect, expected, but, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it all comes down to the same thing too. I mean, you're going to help learn how learn how to ignore it sometimes that's easier than others and um, yeah I mean being able to get the positive comments is really cool because that's just you know people reinforcing the fact that I do need to be doing this and trying to get them done more and uh, lighting a fire in me to want to get them done more and get that the, the content out there so 
really cool. I really appreciate that. And thank you for uh, watching the videos and uh, listening to these podcasts now that I'll be doing. <laughs> uh, Jason Boris Archery asks, my dot is sticking at 7 o'clock in the 9. What do you think? 7 o'clock in the 9 is um, probably a combination of a couple things. Uh, one could be your... Um, your stance, maybe you're a little bit too open, and it's allowing you to naturally want to sit to the left. Um, the other could be wanting to peek and really see the middle versus thinking in your brain that you need to cover the middle instead of being able to see it. Um, that would probably be you know, my idea. I don't want to call that target panic. Some people would. I don't really want to say that. Um, if you're just holding there and you're not really having any anticipation on wanting the shot to happen now or hanging up to where nothing happens at all, I mean, it's just a, an aiming issue. And it's just the way your brain is perceiving what's happening. In that situation, I would look at some aiming drills. On my uh, website, rcarchery.com, rcarchery.com, there's a tab at the top of it for articles and uh, my blog. I don't remember how exactly the tab says it. may just say blog. But if you'll go on that, there's um, drills to beat target panic. And I would read that article. It's a really good uh, aiming uh, drill and, and what to do with that starting up close um, with aiming. But the thing is with any form of anticipation, target panic, aiming issues or anything like that, a lot of people think that blank bail will help or... Um, just aiming and holding on a target will help and while it does it's just a it's a step in the entire process the actual problem normally exists with those people when they actually try to fire a shot at the target so there's reintroducing that and what I have found to work best when I've had some hiccups and issues over the years or when I've worked with somebody that does is to actually segment in and process in the target and the shooting and the distance and do it all in a format and a process that makes sense and that's intentional and to me that makes a lot better process overall and, and I've gotten all that written down and kind of segmented out in, in that blog and that post so I would say check that out and um, you know go through and, and try to attack it that way uh, but also look at your stance and just natural point of aim too I think that's a big one um, that's in some of my videos that I have on YouTube. It's an instructional video on holding steadier. I give a step-by-step -step segment on how to hold steadiest on target, and it actually starts with your stance. So it's a good one there. Um, Tommy Swart asked me fixed blade or drop away, and then cable or limb driven, meaning for the drop away there. For me, I'm going to say drop away, and that's a big thing for me. I was a blade rest holdout for a long time. Really believed in the blade rest and thought it was the way to go, but the drop away has proven to me that it's actually I would say superior and easier to tune consistent on the bow I don't have any problems drop aways are being built now extremely well um, one that I use is the Hamsky Target Pro it's the micro adjust model and um, I use the blade on there that comes with it I took the backer off uh, there's some arrows that I have ran on there depending on the weight and the way they're tuning and the way it's shooting that the backers fine um, I actually took it off and then since then I've gone to their new Teflon style blade and that one's tapered and it actually seems to work really well with a wide variety of arrow weights um, even my indoor arrows that are heavy up front it seems to be working really well with that and that drop away of course is limb driven and honestly I think if you're gonna run a drop away it needs to be limb driven I would not use a cable I've used cable driven drop in the past before I really knew what was going on and 
Some of them made the bow draw more difficult and seem notchy or weird, um, but also it's just a pain to tune it. Uh, you're always dealing with having to readjust the dropway or slack it to change the cables or whatever it may be, and uh, just the limb one is way more consistent and easier to mess with, easier to tune. That would be my recommendation, what I would do with it. Um, SWBA Archer says, pin knocks or no? And I think it just depends on the situation. Uh, my indoor arrows don't have pin knocks. Um, if you're going to be shooting 3D or outdoors, like FIDA field, something like that, a lot of arrows going into a target, yeah, run them. Uh, I mean, it's going to do a better job of protecting your arrow, especially now with them being so expensive. Um, I would recommend using them. If you're going to, then just make sure if there is any contact or something's going on, you have to replace the knock, check them. And also keep in mind that those pin knocks wear out, or the well, the knocks and the actual pin itself both wear out. Um, you can install the knock, the, the pin wrong. It can cause issues with tuning that you would think is your bow or your arrow or something, and it just ended up not being square when it was put in. Maybe they're bent or warped. You need to check them for that. They can be a little bit more finicky, especially if they've gotten hit. Sometimes you're gonna have to replace the pin and the knock. So you know, it's, it's another thing to have to check and and keep an eye on but can it protect your arrow a lot of the times yes and is that worth it with the prices of some of the arrow shafts yeah <laughs> so yeah I mean use it if you need to in that situation I don't mess with it indoors it's another thing to worry about and I just I don't mess with it that way archery boy asks, how important is it to hold steady when going through the shot and what influences pin float the most um, two things are going to influence it depending on where you're at in archery one is your form obviously the bow fitment um, along with that form is going to make a huge difference being able to set that front shoulder the correct way um, all of that aspects of form and bow fitment make a huge difference in how you hold and, and shot to shot even uh, a lot of times it's just consistency and inconsistency from shot to shot that can cause the problem um, just with how you're setting the shoulder and making sure that you're drawing correctly and everything in that lineup. Outside of that, the other aspect of it is the mental side. And honestly, if you have a solid shot process and you're pretty consistent shot to shot with how you're drawing and what's going on, the mental side of it's going to create far worse of a problem than your form will. Because you may be thinking, I have to hold steady or I'm trying to hold steady, or I'm trying to choke the dot or pin down on the target and hold it as steady as possible. And that actually creates the problem. That makes you less steady. It makes you inconsistent with your draw. It makes it harder to get your form correct. And that creates the biggest issue. So for me, the mental side of it is letting go of trying to be perfect. Some of my best rounds have been shot when I was most nervous because I've learned to let go or I'm learning to do my best to let go is probably the best way to put it because it doesn't always work that way but um, you know looking at it in a different light um, sometimes looking at it arrow for arrow helps sometimes looking at it in segments helps like I shoot my indoor rounds and like a Vegas round 10 ends I look at it trying to get to 5 the halfway point but that's how I segment it because it's easier for my brain to break it down some people need to go arrow by arrow. That a little bit more micromanaged for me. It doesn't work as well for me. Um, and sometimes you just got to go into it and just say, 
you're going to shoot how you shoot. And honestly, I mean, that's the best way to look at it. Your average of what you can shoot and your score and, and the way you're doing in that moment on that day, it's all you can do. So there's no point in stressing about it and going to a tournament or going into a practice round thinking, I have to shoot this, I have to get this score, I have to hold like this. And you just got to go in there and whatever you have that day is what you have that day. Shoot, do what you can, remember what you can, write down notes if you want to, reflect when you're done, make a game plan, go to work, improve. That, that's really all you can do. Um, I mean, and that kind of goes along to answer your other part of your question, too, is how important is it to hold steady? To a certain degree, it's not. You, you should always be striving to find out how to hold steadier on target and, you know, looking at aspects of form and bow fitment and stabilizers and your shot execution and the way you build tension and how you manage that tension throughout your execution is huge in development of, of holding steady on target. But it doesn't matter as much as you think because... As steady as I hold in practice at home when there's zero stress and anything going on, when I go to a tournament, that hold isn't the same. When the pressure's there, it's not the same. And if you let yourself get wrapped up in that and think, well, this looks different than what it does at home, I'm in trouble. Yeah, you're going to be in trouble. But if you go into it and say, I know this is going to look different than what it does at home. I'm okay with that. Let's do this. Just a different mindset will help you. So it's not as important as you think. Bomber with a lot of R's, man. Ask, my dot stays right in the center of target and not moving. I can't execute shot. Is it target panic? So basically just saying when his dot is in the middle, it's not moving. It's perfectly still and he can't get his shot to execute. Is it target panic? I'm not going to call that target panic either. Um, I think you can look at that as a form of target panic if you wanted to. And a lot of people would probably say that. But really what I'm looking at that is more of uh, disconnecting your brain between looking at something and it being like a kind of like sticker shock it's like oh my god my pin's still shot needs to happen now but I don't want to move because my pin's still and if I move it's not going to be still anymore it's nothing happens it's we're used to seeing movement so when there's no movement there it's kind of a shock and it can be like oh wow what do I do now but it's really it's a good thing um, if you're not getting pin movement there's nothing wrong with that but don't be afraid to execute your shot and have pin movement so, you know, whatever happens from shot to shot, what your sight picture is, what your float is, unless it's ridiculously wrong and you messed up somewhere and, and you need to abort that shot and let down and start over or your brain starts playing tricks on you, run your shot. It is what it is in that shot. And you may be perfectly still. You may not. Don't worry about it one direction or the other. Don't try to overmanage what you see and what you're getting. Just let it be your shot and shoot. It's a mental game. Archery is hugely mental. And you just have to look at it and try to go into that. Um, you know, if, if you need to get used to it, the aiming drills that I talked about earlier in the podcast would be good. It starts you up close. You expand your way back. Um, the up close work will, will appear that your pin isn't moving very much. And you can start getting used to executing that shot and moving even in those situations and still seeing the arrow hit the middle of the target. So that stuff can be good for you. But, it, I mean, it really is just a mental thing. Um, just go into it. Don't worry about thinking that you have a problem. Just go into it and just think, I've got to execute my shot no matter what, and just work on it. Good process, good form, and then you know just let it happen. David Barton Archery asks, are you going to Vegas this year? It's a really fun shoot. I am not. Uh, two reasons. One, funding, and two, time. I don't have the time to do it this year, unfortunately. I don't have the funding to do it either. 
it's on a bucket list. I'd really like to do Vegas. Um, it's one of a few that I have on a list, and I think that's something that I'll get to in the future, but it, unfortunately it won't be this year. So we'll see if it happens. Um, I got it in a five-year plan. We'll see how that works out, um, just with life and kids and sports and um, work and all that stuff. So, But yeah, it looks really fun. Definitely be something to do. I prefer indoors over outdoors, um, mostly for some health issues. Hypoglycemic heat and sun drops my blood sugar that's already dropping on its own makes for some interesting um, physical activity sports so when it's really hot uh, you know I don't like to shoot competitions um, it's probably a conditioning thing and it's gotten better and I'm learning my body better and it's getting easier on me but uh, indoors is I really like uh, it's a controlled environment not super hot you know nothing crazy like that so I really enjoy it really like it that's all the questions that I had from the Instagram this podcast has gone a little bit longer than what I originally hoped, but I'm going to play around sometimes. I want your feedback. You let me know kind of time-wise what's good. A lot of people say, you know, their drive and their commute is X amount of time. They want to listen to something during that drive or, you know, maybe they have some time before work or whatever. So I'm open to all feedback. This is something that um, the name of the podcast, Archery Vision, the same thing that I have going with my YouTube channel. It's a vision for archery and it's a vision for my brand. I wanted to, you know, when I first started all this, the thing is, I just, I wanted to get the information out. I want to help archers. I want to have something there that I didn't have readily available because that's just, you know, that that's what I believe is going to help our sport the most. And if I can help you not have frustrations and, you know, that that's what I want to do. So whatever feedback you have for me on this, my videos, post it. Let me know. Send me a message. Send me an email. Use the contact form on my website. Whatever it is, you know, and let me know that. Um... You know, and, and that just helps everything get better. Things that I have coming up, I'm going to have a YouTube video coming out. I'll probably release it around New Year's time as well, probably New Year's Eve. I think that's Tuesday's New Year's Eve. Um, be a Tuesday tip of the week video, but it's going to be a some form of a decade in review. I officially started RCR Tree five years ago, so I don't have the full decade in there, but I've gone through and looked at some of my most popular videos based on views and um Oddly enough, they all work and revolve around holding steady, or at least the majority of them do. Some of them are stabilizers, which again, holding steady. Some of them are aiming drills. One is the float video that I have. That was actually one of my original hit videos and, and something that I thought would be extremely helpful for people to be able to see where my camera was strapped into the riser of my bow and you could see through my scope and kind of see what I was seeing. Um, I'm going to do something, whether it's redoing them, summarizing them, picking one version, linking the rest, something just to put out. Um, I hadn't exactly figured out what I'm going to do there, but yeah, I'm going to have something out for you. And um, The other thing too is one thing that I wanted to mention is just my Patreon channel. Um, I, I want to get content out there and, and try to make it worthwhile for you. I have different levels on there if you're just wanting to support what I'm doing and, and help out with software for the, you know, the, the videos, the podcast, what I'm doing. You know, if you want to put money in there so that I can put it back into buying things and doing reviews for you. I mean, that's cool too. Um, one thing that I probably will build into it is uh, you will have question priority for the podcast that I'm doing. You can post your questions on there and I'll put that as a priority to be able to answer in these and make sure that they get done uh, versus, you know, um, maybe if you send something or comment on a video or a podcast and having to get back to them and you know, maybe I segment those into certain podcasts, you know, or something like that, you know, and just in the future as this builds and grows and 
and something to give back to you and do on that too. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for listening to this. If you made it this far, please share this with people. If you find it helpful and you think they'll find it helpful, you know, and, and that compels you to do it, please share it. Let them know. Spread the word. Try to get some more of these out and do these in the future. And uh, as I learn what I'm doing with this, make these better, more fun. Maybe add some music in, intros, outros, stuff like that. But yeah, guys, appreciate it. And uh, until next time, I will talk to you then.